Previously on Monsters and Mean Guys. A woman in black pajamas with black straight hair answers the door. Surprised Bill hasn't told you about me. I'm his ex-wife after all. Sloan and Ben, the two of you are going to spar and I cannot stress this enough. Please do not kill each other. You just fucking tackle him to the ground. Sloan, get off of me. I headbutt my head back into his face. Ben, an aura of red starts to come over your entire body. You are doubling, tripling in size into this big, earthy, muscular, horrifying monster. And this thing smacks you across the room, Bill. Sloan, you just, you lay your hand on its chest. Whatever you did, Sloan, whatever you activated, whatever you just channeled to use all that magic, you just canceled out whatever was possessing Ben. And he's unconscious on the floor. And and Sloan, I absolutely believe this was all of the power you had left in you. You open your eyes and you are in front of a mirror. Every direction you look is just mirrors. And every time you look at a different one, your body transforms. The mirror that you initially looked at starts cracking, branching out into little dark crevices around it. And little black ooze comes out. Currently, unbeknownst to you, you're lying in a futuristic hospital-looking bed uh, with a kind of metallic glass pod over you, and you're asleep. Um, You're on a hill, uh, an oasis uh, at the top of a mountain, Um, but you're not alone. If you look over to your left, you'll you'll see a friend. It's, well, it used to be a friend. It's Chapo. Oh, boy. He looks young. Um, you suppose that you probably look young, too. And it's just the two of you lying there in a field of flowers. And after a couple of minutes, Chapo turns and faces you, and he says, It's been a long time, Sykes. You wouldn't believe how much has changed. Hmm. You look good, Chapo. Did Thanks. you come help me? Uh, I'm not here to help. If anything, this is just kind of... I'm a a warning. A warning? Yeah. From who? We have a... I sent me. After our history, I think that it... uh, I think I owe you that much, but... After what you did, you had to know that eventually I'd be coming for you. And Sykes... Hmm... I'm bringing the storm with me. And as he says that, uh, uh, a bolt of lightning strikes the flower bed nearest to you, um, and then another, and another, and uh, pillars of lightning are shooting out of the sky and into the ground, setting this oasis, yeah, setting this oasis on fire, uh, putting you into the center of a burning place. And if you look back at Chapo, he's gone. Okay, so you have you have you have a couple options here. You ready to roll your first dice? 
Let's roll. All right, roll plus cool. Ooh, let's see. Uh, three total. Three? Yeah. Okay. Uh, the fire starts to burn closer to you, and once you look, while you look into it a little bit of afraid, you see figures on fire in the distance burning with them. You see, you see Christine, uh, and holding her hand is a, is a boy, no older than ten. Um, you know him, it's, it's gotta be Oliver. It's my son. And both of them are in front of you, burning and screaming. And to the left and right of them is Sloan and Ben. Everyone that you've known, your entire gang, burning alive in front of you as you violently and abruptly wake up, screaming in your pod. Uh, after a second, um, y the glass in the pod starts to move and tr and like condense and uh, collapse into itself, so that you can sit up. Uh, and when you do, you you look around and you realize there's two other pods in the room, and Christine is asleep in a chair near you, uh, holding with a boy down by her feet, about looking, I think, about eight years old. Um, and he's also asleep with an action figure in his hand. Uh, it seems that your scream did not actually penetrate the shell you were in. What do you do? Am I hooked up to anything? You are, but it's uh, it's not like it, it's like pulse readers and things like that. No, you're not being. You don't have an IV, for example. You, nothing's inside of you. Okay. Okay. Um. I try to fumble with the door latch to try to open up the door. Okay, so you get out of the bed and rip off the cords and things? Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Uh, you get out of the bed, you you rip off the cords, all the little things, the pulse readers and whatnot, and you go to the door and you start fondling it. Um, and uh, it doesn't open, but um, but Christine kind of wakes up. Bill? What are you, what are you doing? Honey. Don't call me honey. I, uh, but you're too sweet. Can't help it. <sighs> I need you to let me out. I need your help to let me out. Get me out of here. You're trying to manipulate her? Uh, no. Just being <laughs> honest here. Roll plus charm. Let's see. Uh, tw uh, eight total. Eight. Um, okay. All right, Bill, Bill. She's kind of shaking her head as she's waking up um, and trying to keep it quiet so that Oliver doesn't wake up too. And she just kind of says, okay, okay, okay. She takes a key out of her pocket and she says, we'll let you out, but you and I are going to talk for while we're out there. Okay? Okay. And if you break this word, I guarantee terrible things will happen. Got it? You hear me? Yeah. Bill, okay. look me in the eyes. Bill, I know what happens when you lie. You're going to talk to me, right? I will. Don't okay. worry. I will. Cool. And she unlocks the door. <sighs> Thank you. 
Oh, how long have I been in there? Uh, what happened? It's, it's been about a day. Um, your friend turned into some sort of horrific monster, and your other friend was able to snap him out of it, but not before he slapped you across the room like you were, I don't know, spaghetti being thrown at a wall. Oh, yummy. Uh, and I took you guys to these, uh, I have a couple of hospital beds specifically made for post-fights. Um, my grandfather, well, Oliver's grandfather, my father, uh, used to need a few after his stuff and when he was training. Um, that's the only reason I let any of you guys fight is because I knew I could heal you up. So I got you here and I started watching over you. Um, you were the only one with holy physical injury, so I figured that you would wake up first and 12 hours or so later, I'm right. Uh, those two, I have, I have no idea what's going on with them. Are they okay? Yeah, they have pulses, like their body seems fine, but something's, something's going on inside their heads. Something, something big. Something big? What, what do you think it is? Honestly, I couldn't tell you. <laughs> I don't, uh, I don't have as much experience with these kind of people as I let on. Uh, yeah, they're, um, they're gonna be okay. I think they're gonna be okay, but by every reading and every calculation, they both should be up and about by now. So it's, it's hard to say. Well, okay. Let's let's go somewhere and talk. Let's. I need I need to hear what's going on with you. Can I say hi okay. to Oliver really quickly? Uh, yeah. Will you? Um. Yeah. Come say hi. I I should warn you, Bill. He doesn't remember who you are. Really. He uh. He knows that he has a father, but we don't say your name in the house. We don't talk about you too much. Uh, I kind of wanted him to imagine it as a hero. And you and I both know that you're no hero. So he's got an image for his father. He's got an idea for him, but he thinks he died in a fire years ago. Oh. And Bill, I, yeah. you, don't get, you don't get to waltz in and kill that illusion. So yeah, you can say hi to him, but... Is he awake? Not yet. Um, I walk up to him. I don't touch him. I just kind of take in the fact that he's my son. I whisper something in his ear. Very tender. And I give him a smile and I walk away. Okay, real quick. Do you think that he hears that at all, like, even subconsciously? Or is it... I think he hears it subconsciously. Okay, uh, then as I am every NPC, I need to know what you whispered. Fair enough. Either that, or I'm going to lie about it later and just make something up, which I can do. Um... I just whisper... I miss you, buddy. Don't forget me. 
you see him kind of uh, shuffle in his sleep, and he, he cuddles his action figure a little tighter. Uh, he's got a smile on his face. But he's still fast asleep. Good kid. Well, I guess let's go talk now. Okay, let's go. Uh, where you guys are is actually attached to her house. It's uh, inside her garage, the way that she has it built up. She was prepared for a lot of this. Yeah, so she just guides you into the um, into the living room again, uh, and you guys, she sits down on the couches. Uh, she sits on a couch, and you sit on another one. I, if you try to sit near her, she'll just get up and move, but you're welcome to try. Uh, what... Uh, so what do we need to talk about, Bill? What's there left to say? I need to know what's going on with you. One, how did you have that key to unlock me? Obviously, because it's your facility. Never mind. Don't answer that. Um, obviously. Is, what? You're the one that needed to prompt this. What do we need to talk about? I that's fair. Uh well, I I guess since we have this moment to ourselves, we need the other two to uh complete our plan. I guess we should talk about about what happened, Bill. Fair enough. We're going to be working as a team, so I really think that we need to be on the same page with each other. Look, I'm sorry, but I was on a mission. I was going to bring this family out from the grave. We were going to be rich, honey. We were going to have infinite wealth. How could I let that go? Especially with the baby. We were struggling. We were practically on our knees begging for money. And I was trying to help. I can't... I'm sorry. I didn't mean for it to go that far. I didn't mean to leave. But I had to leave Chapo. I had to leave him to die. You told me you were out of the game, Bill. You told me you were done. I had to go back. You understand. No. No, Bill, I don't. You were raising a family. You were finally on the way to a straight edge. I was a killer. I'm, I've killed people either way. No straight edge can I'm prevent sorry. that. They were coming for me. We could have helped. You know my family. You know what I'm capable of. You know that I could have helped you get out of anything if you just talked to me. And, uh, I couldn't. I couldn't. It's not fair to you. I don't... I didn't need your help anymore. It was my turn to help out. It was my turn to help out. Okay. Okay. Then you know why I left, Bill. You know I had to go. You know why I wasn't there when you got back from your job? 
I couldn't be just there anymore. I couldn't be, I couldn't wake up one morning and you're just gone. And I don't know if you're going to come back here in handcuffs or with money or in a casket. Bill, I didn't know. So of course I left. Of course I took Oliver. And I know that this is, this isn't your fault. I know you didn't mean to come barging back into my life. But through the fates, why ever the, why ever the fuck they would do that, Bill? They brought you back here. Hmm. So I need to know, what's your plan now? Look, I'm on a job with these guys. Somebody hired me, and they told me I need to cooperate with them. To be honest, I don't know what for, but it seems like I have no choice. Are you doing good work, Bill? Haven't killed anybody yet. Not kill. Because people can die for the right cause. People have died for many right causes, Bill. I'm asking, are these good people? Are you with the right people, Bill? I think so. I think so. Okay. You seem different. I, I'm going to trust. I know the new renaissance, and if they've chosen you to be a part of it for whatever reason, then I got to think that this is the right path for you. Uh, she's, she's, I can't do it because I'm, uh, I, I'm a victim of toxic masculinity, but she starts crying. Uh, just a little bit, not like not bawling, but a couple tears fall through. Right. And it, uh, yeah. Uh, Bill, if you can be the hero that Oliver thinks you are, you can come back into his life. And if you want, if you want to try things again with me, it's going to take a hell of a lot of work, Bill. And it's not going to happen overnight. But it's going to start when you're worthy to be Oliver's father. I understand. It's not okay. going to be easy, but I'll do my damnedest. Uh, Bill, this is wonderful. Uh, roll plus sharp for me. Plus sharp. Yep. Uh, four total. Okay, so then the next thing doesn't necessarily work out the same way. And when when you're ready, when you're ready, reach out to me because I got a lot of news and we got a lot to talk about. Oh, but it, until then, Bill. Well, we got a job to do. Yes, we do. And um, from the garage, there's a there's a couple of beeps. Um, it starts. They start off soft, and then they get just incredibly loud. Uh, and Christine jumps up and runs to the garage. And um, what do you do? I go follow her, run with her to the garage. Okay. So uh, after this, in this sense of panic that we get of the of the you two, uh, once once husband wife once lovers, uh, running to a running to the garage, the camera zooms out through a window, and just backs up. And we follow it 
to uh, to a pair of trees that shadow what you would assume to be nothing at first glance, but uh, what we know to be a person uh, standing there about a hundred feet away or so in a trench coat. Uh, the only light that helps illuminate this individual is a cigarette that he puts on and he lights up, revealing a scar on his face that runs from his left temple right to the tip of his lip. Beside him, as if he apparated out of the shadows himself, is a hulking figure, notably taller and wider than him. The figure looks at the house, and then at the trench-coated man. And the man says, oh, Patience, big guy. They'll come to us soon enough. And uh, they seem to apparate away into the darkness as the camera fades up, revealing a sky and a yellow full moon. We open, and it is you. Right now you're weak, and you're standing in an inky, an inky black space that you've come to know as your own mindscape. Uh, it seems that you're alone in the darkness. What do you do? Floga. A fire kind of bursts out of the knife in your hand, uh, lighting up someone who must have been standing right in front of you, but you just didn't see them. It's... It's Jeff Retariat. Oh, uh, I gotta get. It. Weirdly enough, after all his time in the mindscape, Jeff Retariat's accent has kind of normalized. <laughs> I don't know how to describe it, but now he talks a little bit more like this. Hey, Ben. As opposed to. Oh, hi, Ben! <laughs> It's <laughs> he's mellowed out of it. It's a character arc. You can't. <laughs> he actually doesn't say anything. He hey. just he stands in front of you, but uh, he looks at you and you say that. Uh, I'm I'm sorry. I'm really sorry, Ben. Why are you sorry? I can't control myself sometimes. Oh, okay, okay, the killing. Ben, you're good. Ben, you're fine, you're safe to go. It's okay. But you're gonna have to get used to it. Is this, this is apologizing for killing me, right? Yeah. It's okay. But you gotta be careful who you kill. Because with that little doohickey in your hands, we stick around. So, anybody, why do I have this knife? Okay, so the, with the section I've kind of set up uh, is going to require, it's going to require at least one roll. Roll plus sharp for me. Okay. Uh, uh, 2d4 for a, uh, a, a 3. Did you roll... A three, pl a three plus one. Did you do two d four instead of two d six? Oh, whoops! 
<laughs> what the heck is a d4? I don't need that. 2d6. Oh my lord. It's been a while. It's been too, it's been too long. Okay, an 8 plus 1, a 9. Thank you for catching that. Yeah, yeah, no problem. Uh Okay, so you're going to you're going to kind of get you're going to get about two questions. One of them uh, will be the one you just asked. Was it was it about the knife? Yeah, I said, why do I why do I have this knife? You have you have the knife that was kind of gifted to you by Prometheus. That's not totally fair. It belonged to the witches a long time ago, but he used it more. See, this is this is an old knife. Uh, it has a name. Or it used to have a name. The language that it was named in is kind of long dead by now. But to some degree or another, it translates to Soulbinder. And what you kill with that knife will never die. We live in here with you. That's why Prometheus was so good with it. He was a collector. But for you, it could turn out to be a curse or a gift, depending on what you do with it. For example, for the most part, I'm here to help you. Little things, little bits in the world will be there to guide you along. Do you have any more questions, Ben? Are you comfortable here I I'm not going to count this as one of your holds but I am I am this is for now I feel like this is where I belong I've always gone where I'm needed and uh, uh, and I've learned to not make a prison cell feel like a prison cell and I feel like you need me Ben. Thank you. What happens if I kill someone bad with this knife? They stick with you. But to whatever capacity is kind of up to your discretion. Somewhere in your subconscious or somewhere in the witch... Well, I don't know where they are or how they could... Or they would help more with this. But... Somewhere in your self subconscious, you have kind of given me freedom in here. But you do not have to do the same for everyone that is taken. You read where I'm coming gotcha. from? Yeah. Yeah. So I can still kill Prometheus with this knife. That's an interesting concept. Killing Prometheus will turn out to be much more difficult than you think. I know I only have two holds, but... But... But why did he... steal my parents? <laughs> Time is up, Ben! In front of you, Jeffrey Terriot's eyes flash into a deep yellow, and his teeth 
starts to sharpen in his jaw as its jaw starts to widen and fill with canines. Uh, he doesn't smile, but his mouth doesn't quite close properly, kind of exposing his teeth. And the hair on his head and face starts to become mangled as he's he still looks like Jeff, but it feels like something else is inside of him. <sighs> you never even asked about the witches. Why aren't they here to greet you? Out of the corner of your eye, you can see a set of light blue, faintly glowing shackles and chains. It looks like they have a triangle indentation on them, and they're snapped open. That's not good. You and the Stormbringer. You and the Stormbringer set off a chain of events. And this? (laughs) This is one of them. Ben, what do you do? I'm going to kill you now. And I run at him with my knife to stab him in the chest. He, um, I can't even make you roll for it just yet. He is no longer there. He's just beside you and behind you. It, it feels like he is the room and he is everywhere in the room. Like this, the apparition of Jeff is nothing more than just that, just a... Uh, an illusion of where he could be a temporary smoky vessel. Boy, you can't kill in here. We're in you. Well, then you can't kill me. No, but that's not the goal now, is it, boy? Ben, 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 you and I are meant to be. You are my vessel. Who are you? Roll plus sharp. Uh, eight. Yeah, you, you get his... This is fun. I am Behemoth. Beast of the land. Born of blood and stone. And I might be the only one who can help you. I can help you save your parents, Ben. What? I have the strength to do what you can't. And uh, he, he flashes in front of you images of what you did um, in the boxing ring with uh, uh, throwing Bill across the room and trashing that whole place. Uh, it looks like this was what was possessing you. What had given you that strength. Awesome. Yeah. What are you feeling? Will you... Will you... Will you work with me? Our... As long as our goals align... I will help you. I'm going to change. So you'll help me. His voice randomly changed because it was hurting the narrator's throat. <laughs> so you'll help me find my parents. You'll help me kill Prometheus. You'll help me do whatever I need to do in these pits. He uh, he winces a bit at the name Prometheus, but then a grin kind of falls on his face, and he says. Yes. Oh, God, I meant to change his voice. Yes. But what I do for you will be repaid in tenfold. What do you mean? 
That's more of a wait and see, isn't it, Ben? I give you my strength, and eventually you let me do what I was destined to do. You can't hurt anyone good. Ah, good and bad are relative, Ben. I don't know, I've got a tally for (laughs) all my good choices and all my evil ones. So... This is my I'm red eye. I'm keeping up with it, and now I'm going to keep an eye on you. From behind you, kind of in your left ear, and you can't see her, but you, you hear her. And it's just, it's someone you actually haven't seen in a few episodes or heard from, and it's... Be cautious, Ben. Elizabeth? Not quite. Goodwitch? We really Thank need you. to, we need to give her a name. That's we'll we'll deal with that later, but yeah. Penelope. She okay. Her Sasha? fucking name's Penelope Sasha. November. <laughs> She's got a lot of names. It's all she says is be cautious, and it it sounds it doesn't sound like it's being spoken directly to you. It's like her voice is being carried by the wind towards your ear. You can't quite place a direction, but you did only hear it in your left ear. Okay, so what if I don't make a deal with you? What if what if I can do this by myself? Boy, boy, boy. That would be the most foolish decision you've ever made. I can help you. I can give you immeasurable strength. To turn that down and act as if you are the only one, as if you can handle this by yourself, you're not strong enough, Ben. You need me. Here's the choice. Take my hand. He extends to you kind of like a clawed hand. It doesn't look like it'll hurt, but it looks intimidating. Uh, Take my hand, and we can do this together. And you know that price. Or deny me now and make a new enemy. Ben, what do you do? Either choice will have egregious consequences. I need... I need to get my parents back. And I don't don't even care if that means killing Prometheus or not, but I need them back. And if I have to kill Prometheus to do that, I have to do that. And I don't know how I can do it by myself, but... Tick tock, boy. Okay, but but you can't hurt Sloane, and I guess you can't hurt Bill. I won't harm your companions. Is that what you need to hear? And after I get my parents, you're gone, right? Uh, roll plus charm. Ooh. Ooh, that's a, that's a six. Yeah, Ben. I'm gone. Damn it. (laughs) That's an experience. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) (sighs) Okay. And I reach out and grab his hand. Jeff collapses in front of you. And you feel 
a vibrant, powerful energy kind of enter you. Um, it's one you've, you're actually a little familiar with. It's something that you feel has been inside your body your entire life. But this is, this is the first time you have kind of unlimited access to it. And everything around you starts to light up. And you see in the, you see in the back corner of your mindscape a cottage where the two witches are knocked out in front of. And then you wake up. And you find yourself inside of a metal kind of glass shell uh, feeling very futuristic on a hospital bed. Uh, You open your eyes and you start to focus more seeing the shell kind of collapse into itself above you. And it folds down. And if you were to sit up, you would see the room around you. Uh, You would see two more beds that look identical to yours. One of them is empty, like the shell is down, and one of them still has a shell. Uh, Next to the empty one on the floor is a child sleeping with an action figure in his hand. Uh, In the other one, the one that is still shelled, you see from where you are, kind of black smoke coming out of the vents and flowing into the creases of the shell. What do you do? I, I, I get up. Do you say I get up as uh, quietly as I can? Yeah, there is a kid sleeping. Uh, okay, yeah. you do. Yeah, you get up quietly. I'm not. That's not a plus cool. I don't want to wake him up. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, can I? Can I look into the pods or? Yeah, yeah. They, the, the the glass is kind of like over the top, so you can see inside of them. Do you look yeah, into the one? I, I look into them. The one uh, with okay. The smoke. Well, obviously, the other one's open and empty. Uh, so the one yeah. that's closed and has the smoke entering the creases, uh, you look into it, kind of wop- wiping off uh, the cond- condensation, and you can make out Sloan sleeping or comatose, whatever exactly it is. Uh, and when you look closely at him, you see the smoke entering his nose. Um, Whoa. And you can feel that there's like an end to the smoke and you see it uh, stop as it, not like stop entering, but there's no more entering inside of him. And then the last bit gets sucked up and suddenly there's a jolt from his body uh, and his eyes open wide and they are pitch black, the same color as the smoke. Not like, not like a, a flat black, like it's a running wavy smoky black covering his eyes. And he starts convulsing violently inside of the shell. And all the machines connected to him start beeping incredibly loud. And the door bursts open. Oh, Christine, I think he was vaping in here. Hey, what's up, everybody? It's your favorite podcast boy and editor here, Arnold. I want to thank you so, so, so much from the bottom of my heart. I really, really mean it. Thank you for joining us here on this episode. One of the toughest things that comes with recording a podcast, especially one that requires the commitment of several people in different states and different time zones, the hardest part of it is just scheduling. And someone that I don't give enough thanks to is Chaz. He not only writes our whole story, 
but he's so adamant on organizing our scheduling and setting up recording sessions. So Chaz, thank you. And Chris, thank you as well for joining us, you know, late into this process, but like committing all the way, really being a fun new addition to this podcast. And Zach, thank you so much as well for being an awesome spell slinger Sloan. It's been so much fun from the beginning and your section's up next, so I hope everyone freaking loves it. As always, our music was made by the incredible Alex Hollibaugh, my good friend. His name is Downer on SoundCloud. Check him out. His icon is a little frowny face and his music gives me a little smiley face because it's so good. Again, his name is Downer on SoundCloud. And don't forget that you can always find us on social media. We have a Facebook page. Um, We have an Instagram page. Um, We have a Twitter. Check out Monsters and Mean Guys. And use our hashtag, which is hashtag MMGCast. And if you use our hashtag, then we will put you into our show as characters. And you'll be living infinite in our podcast forever for the eternity of time and it'll be just amazing because not only will we be making something for you but you will be making something for us and for you and for others you'll be a part of this whole thing and that's freaking amazing so hashtag mmgcast shout us out again thank you all so much for tuning in if this is your first episode then um welcome but if it is go hop back to our first one i know even right now our audio quality is not the best we're still working on a lot of different changes but it's definitely way worse in the beginning and uh listening back to that for me is quite funny um even though the the audio is pretty terrible but we were just in a different place and it was just like so raw and so comical just go check it out if you haven't and if you've, if you've been here from the very beginning and you're listening now and you've listened to every episode, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you so much. It means the world to me. Anyways, I've got six words for you. Let's get back in this biz. Right now, unbeknownst to you, you are lying down inside of a hospital bed with a kind of metallic but glass ceiling, uh, uh, glass shelling around you. It seems futuristic, uh, but you don't know that. Where you think you are is you're lying down looking at a beautiful, clear sky. If you were to move, you'd feel that you were lying on top of water and floating in what looks like an endless ocean. What do you do? So I've just, I've just awakened in this building you awakened uh in it on a lying lying down on top of water and surrounded by water on all sides oh looking looking up at the sky wait so was there did you say something about a glass yeah uh your body is in that what you are in right now is kind of a dream this is where you where you think you are oh okay okay yeah you're good so 
So I'm like literally just like treading water or like lay floating, I guess. Yeah, you're lay, just floating on water. Out. Yeah. Um. Is anything in sight? Uh, right now the way you're looking, you were just seeing the sky. If you were to look over to either direction, there'd be nothing. Um, if you look to your left, though, there is a. With, weirdly enough, on top of the water, there's a door, uh, not supported by anything, just kind of standing on the water. Hmm. I head towards the door. Okay, so you get up and find out that you can walk on water. Whoa. And you're just kind of what you've balanced your chakra and sent it to your feet, you know? Um, and you find yourself, you're walking over to, towards the door. Uh, do you open it? No, I look on the other side first. Okay. Uh, on the other side of the door is nothing. Just more water hmm. and air. I go back and then I open it. Okay. Uh, you open the door. Slowly. You open it slowly. And nothing changes, If uh, even if you opened it fast. Uh, when you look through the door, you see an overgrown jungle with kind of a Jurassic feeling to it. You know what I mean? Like it's just mm. massive overgrowths that we've not seen anymore. Is it like pretty humid? Yeah, it's pretty humid. So what's, so do I look around for other doors? Are there any other doors in sight? There's not, but uh, if you look directly behind you, kind of like you see, you see the water moving in the distance behind you. Probably right now, probably a good few hundred feet, but it looks like something underneath is coming towards you. Well, uh, kind of like, like I definitely hop inside that door and slam it okay. shut. You hop inside the door and slam it shut, uh, just narrowly escaping as a shark jumps out of the water yep. and headbutts the door. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, it's very climactic. Lived in Florida um, long enough to know not to trust <laughs> shadows in the water. Specifically, Sloan has lived in Florida oh. long enough to know. <laughs> no, no, uh, no, both of you. I don't know. He might have. Um, cool. It was a past uh, life thing. Yeah, actually, we're gonna we're gonna <laughs> chat about that. Uh, so now you've entered into this massive jungle with vines and overgrowth galore, uh, trees that th the thickness that you've never seen, at least not in this life. Um, in the distance to your right, you hear some noises. They kind of sound like voices. What do you do? Hmm. I just wait and listen. Can I make anything out in the voices? Uh, they sound familiar, which is weird. But uh, you can't make out any words. Um, and they're not far away. Probably, probably 10, 20 feet in... in Bushes and trees and woods. So uh, I, you can also you can also smell some smoke. Hmm. So I get. I approach the voices, but not like to where they could see me. Got so you're like watching, yeah. sneakily. Yeah, that's fine. Uh, okay, so you follow the voices, but sneaking so they can't see you. Uh, you're kind of behind. You're you're in a bush right now, looking, and you you peel a couple of the twigs out of the way and see uh, four people around a campfire. Um, all of them are in different colored cloaks. It looks like, from what you can make out, a woman and three men. Uh, one of them 
suspiciously looks looks he looks a lot like you, Sloane. But not quite. Something's off. And uh there's one who's sitting next to him who is who also looks incredibly familiar. And he has a he has a big grin that kind of spans from ear to ear. Um and could you real quick uh roll plus cool? Yep. Eight minus one. Seven? Yep. Alright, so while you are standing in the bushes, you crack a twig. Great. <laughs> and nothing happens. No one reacts, no one looks over at you. And suddenly you get this this ominous feeling like you're watching a movie. Like you're watching something that has already happened and that is immutable. Um, but also, thanks to your role, you, you see something else that you didn't see before. Uh, and you can kind of hear it coming too. All four of them look in, the dis- in this direction in the sky and you see a meteor probably the size of a small town f- coming towards the earth. And to your right, a door appears. What do you do? I take the door. You go to the door? Mm-hmm. Cool. Do you open it? I crack it. You crack it? Uh, when you do, a cool breeze comes through. Like, it's not as humid where you're going. It's, it's kind of cool. Um, but it's like another world type deal, like opening the door? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it's, it, there's no, again, there's nothing behind before, it. It's standing unsupported. Before I go through, I call out to. Are the group of people still around? They are. Yeah, they're they're sitting by the campfire. Uh, two of them have actually stood up by now and are looking at the meteor. So I just I shout out like, "Hey," to them. I literally go. Hey. Okay. Uh, is this from the door, or have you you creaked it and you're just yelling at them? Yeah, like as I was exiting and had like something else to say. One of them looks over to you. The one who looked um, a lot like you. He kind of looks over, and he. It seems like it, it's like if someone were looking at something they weren't quite sure what it was or if it was really there. Like, um, like if it looks as though he's seeing something glitching in and out of existence, like he heard something that can't be possible Hmm. and the door in front of you opens wide and sucks you through. Great. (laughs) Uh, as the door shuts, you hear, um, or you kind of, you feel a heat greatly increase from, uh, the other side as what you can assume is a meteor hit the earth or wherever you are. Ouch. Right now, though, you're in a cave, and you're uh, you found you're, you're falling down onto some rather moist, uh, like cave sand. You know what I mean, like that kind of dirt. Yeah, yeah. Not quite like beach sand, but yeah. Um, to your right, there's a there's a dark shadowed area about twenty thirty feet high. You can't really see an end to it in the top or in depth. Um, but you can definitely make out the silhouette of someone about your height in there. Uh, to your left is just a wall, and behind you is a still lake. What do you do? 
I call out to the shadow, um, what is this? The shadow, it doesn't seem to be responding to you specifically, but it definitely, it walks outside of the uh, shadowy area with, with a light. Uh, and with that little bit of light, you can see that he's walking away from what looks like a cage with, uh, with bars that are massive in diameter and don't seem to have an end towards the top. Um, you don't see anything in the cage, but you do hear a low growl fill the room. Something to the measure of, I'll be free soon enough. And, um, and then a man in a cloak exits the shadows. And for some reason, this scene makes you think of Old Yeller. Uh, I don't know why I wrote that, but I specifically made you remember that this makes you think of Old Yeller. Um, the man, the man who exits, he looks, he looks like you, but again, something's off. The tattoos aren't quite in the right f shape. Your face doesn't feel like it's in the right alignment, and your hair is a different color than yours. Your, even your eyes are different, but you get this feeling deep in your core that you were looking at you uh and he he has a tear running down his face and he's hold, he puts a key in his pocket and over your left shoulder you hear something or uh directly behind you you hear something and like a whisper in the wind and it's just it's sad isn't it and what do you do what you just yell that yeah and again this uh this this other Sloan looks over in your direction, but he, it doesn't seem like he can see you. It, it feels like you're messing with time, with what you're doing, but you can't quite put together why. And you feel, you feel another cold breeze from behind you. Um, where, the, uh, where, the, where the still water was. And if you were to look at it again, you'd see one more door frame standing unsupported. Except this one doesn't have a door in it. It's just full of kind of a light black smoke. And there's a pair of eyes in it that have, uh, one is red and one is blue. And they kind of pull away into the smoke. And you feel something in your core is drawn to this door. What do you do? It's like the only other thing around. There's, it's that, it's you, it's that cage and whatever's in there. But yeah, this is something about this is calling to you. It's the only place that that voice could have come from. So I very cautiously approach it. Okay. Again, you walk on the water going towards it, which just feels natural to you. And as you enter it, again, you feel yourself being pulled towards this door. Like it, it feels like you're going home. And once you get close enough... The smoke kind of envelops you, but not in like any menacing way. Kind of like, uh, like a mother hugging you after your first month away from college. And you feel yourself pulled into this room. Inside the room, the smoke kind of clears. It's not gone. It's just more of a framing mechanism. It's not filling the room at this moment. And you see uh, hundreds and hundreds of mirrors. And in each mirror... You see a version of yourself, or what 
you feel like is you. There's a there's you in a pirate costume. There's you, well, you think it's a costume. There's you as like a worker in a factory. There's you as a wealthy man. There's all these versions of Sloan. Tell me a few versions that you want to be there. A biker version. Right to your left is this super badass biker version. And then right beside him is a, um, is like a bicyclist version. And, uh, they, they look entirely differently. It's insane, but they're both there. You look, you're looking at all these different variations of yourself and you can't, you don't, you know, you've been in a room like this before. You've had a dream like this before where you cracked a mirror in front of you, but this one seems different. Um, and you come across one mirror that you really seem drawn to that, if I had to describe it in any way, it would be the Gandalf version of Sloane. Hmm. Uh, literally Sloane the White. Um, it's you with a long white beard in a, in a beautiful silk robe with a, with a massive oak staff, and, which looks like your wand, but literally elongated. And this mirror, its eyes seem to follow you. What do you do? I walk away from it. <laughs> not out of not out of sight though. Yeah, yeah. You back away from it or walk away from it and you see this one step out of the mirror. Mm. It's Sloan the White. Which I don't know why I legitimately named him that. Just to I, establish that he wasn't black. Yeah, I really wanted to be very clear. There are <laughs> black Sloans here. There are lots of them. I don't I, I don't wanna Sloan has changed race many a time. Uh but Apparently. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, well, I kind of uh, panic. Um, he approaches you calmly and slowly, uh, and he puts a hand on your shoulder. And he says something to the measure of, It's okay, my son. Son? I'm here to help. Not quite. <laughs> my me. Uh, that didn't feel right. But <laughs> <laughs> Oh, just checking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Our father isn't really here. I'm here to help. I imagine you have some questions. Roll plus sharp, and I'll tell you how many questions you get. Ooh. Ten plus one. Eleven. Nice. Okay, so you get you get to ask three questions, uh, and I'm kind of making them unlimited. Anything you need to know, anything that these dreams have brought up, anything about the room you're in, or... Yeah, anything. yeah, that would definitely be the first one. So, like, why am I here right now? Where you are, this is... Have you seen Avatar The Last Airbender? Uh, yeah, once or twice. This is kind of like the Avatar state room, where, we've, where he sees every other owner of the title of Avatar in their past. Sloane, you are not the first nor the last version of Sloan. You are the current iteration. And when your time comes and it seems as if it is soon, you will pass and another will take your place. Soon? The world needs you. Soon. Is there anything else you'd like to know, Sloan? So many questions. What's the right ones? Um, why me? Why now? Wait. <laughs> yeah, that no, no that, Does that, that works. Both of them? We'll take it as one. Okay. Uh, why you, why now? It's a question we've all asked ourselves at any point. You see all the mirrors around you kind of nod in agreement. Like they're all a part of this conversation. Creepy. 
you are part of our consciousness. You have served your purpose as of now to get in touch with the other two bearers of the symbol. But you've drained yourself in the last combat. And now it is time, well, it is coming up on time for another to come in. Another who is more befitting of the future tasks. You have done well. You have done our work and you have done your work for years. It's been good, Sloane. You've had a good life, a good run, just as we all have. So what now? I'm glad you asked. And um, a black smoke, the same black smoke that had been filling, is it's rising in the room. It's about at uh, probably like waist height now. And it's surrounding the walls and everything. And he starts to walk with you. Now, now we're going to take you home, Sloan. I'm going to take you home. And he, he walks up to a mirror that is blank, side by side with you. You feel inclined to follow him and next to him. Uh, and the smoke is kind of filling up the room, but it's not frightening again. It's comforting. Like it's like you're saying goodbye to this version of you and hello to something new. Um, and Sloan the White takes your hand and walks you into this mirror. Sloan, you enter the mirror and you're surrounded by water again. And you're fishing in a boat, one that actually feels familiar, one that is a lot like home to you. And you got a flask in your hand, a picture of a girl you haven't seen in years in another. From what you can see on your body, you have no tattoos. You're just a man at the sea, living the life the way that you think it should be. You've lost all memory of your adventures with uh, Ben and Bill. Well, you didn't have many adventures with Bill. You're just you, and you're living the life that you could have lived without this magic intervention. You have memories of a family at home, probably that picture in your hand. You have memories of, well, a home. You have memories of a dog there, a chihuahua named Taco. You remember all of this, and you're going to get to go see them as soon as your boat finds its way back to shore. And the only thing that you can really hear right now is the sound of Sloan the White, who you wouldn't remember, but his voice just comes back in. It's with every ending, there is a new beginning. And with every goodbye, there is a new hello. And this is the rest of your life, Sloan. In this hospital room, there's an explosion from Sloane's bed, shooting the inky black smoke that had been filling his body out to the rest of the room, blasting back Ben, Christine, Bill, and Oliver, and shorting out the electricity in the room. Ben is the first to get up. Limping and in a flickering light, he climbs back to look into Sloane's bed. And he sees the tattoos first, and everything kind of looks the same. Except the face... His face doesn't look like the Sloan that he knew. Something's changed. 